Welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast, brought to you by APT Capital Group, where Kyle and Lalita talk to top experts and seasoned passive investors in the business to help provide clarity and key insights to keep you safe on your journey to financial freedom. Our goal is to help you get educated on how to create passive income for you and your family using real estate as your vehicle. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. I'm your co-host, Lolita, also joined by Kyle. Before we get started, please make sure to head over to our website, aptcapitalgroup.com, and grab our free Passive Investor's Guide. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do, you can schedule a call with Kyle on our website as well. All right, now let's get Join us at the Virtual Asset Management Summit on June 21st through June 27th. It's a seven-day content-packed event for multifamily operators and asset managers with over 1,500 attendees and over 20 amazing speakers. You will hear from top experts about topics such as construction management, KPIs, refinancing, investor relations, the capital stack, disposition, and so much more. Go to www.amsummit2021.com to grab your free ticket to become the best-in-class operator. Discover the best asset management strategies all in one place. We hope to see you there at the Virtual Asset Management Summit. On today's show, we have Mark Willis joining us. Mark, welcome. How are you? Hey, doing great, Lolita. How are you? I am doing great. Thank you. Before we head into today's interview, here is a little bit about Mark. Mark is a man on a mission to help you think differently about your money, your economy, and your future. Mark is a certified financial planner, a three-time number one bestselling author, and the owner of Lake Growth Financial Services, which is a financial firm in Chicago, Illinois. As the co-host of the Not Your Average Financial podcast, Mark shares some of his strategies for investing in real estate, paying for college without going broke, and creating an income in retirement you won't outlive. So listeners, turn up your volume. There's going to definitely be some great takeaways for everyone here. So Mark, before we get started with the interview, take it from here and tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do. You might say I'm not your average certified financial planner. I certainly feel like I got dropped into the front lines of a war when I started in the practice back in 2009, working for a CPA, watching the markets crashing and goals just vaporizing in front of me. Uh, felt like a house of cards, to be quite honest, watching her make those calls to the 62-year-old, 63-year-old client. I'm sorry, Mr. Client, but I just lost you half your life savings. That didn't feel like the kind of job. I mean, I could go back to waiting tables if it was going to be all about that. Okay. So my, my focus has since been, what can we do to build real wealth, something that cannot be taken away from us? And that sort of was my own personal journey as well, and has since become even more relevant now as we've seen unprecedented and some some people would say unparalleled administrative changes and money printing and projects that are happening that are influencing all of our futures many times without us knowing really what the unintended consequences are going to be for our finances, for our future. So once again, we find ourselves having to take back control of our financial future, something that 
I firmly believe is a core principle in the lives of many of our clients that we work with is the desire to have some manner of control over what our finances look like and what our future can hold. So that's a little bit about our background. Awesome. I, I like that story. It's a, it's a bad story that you have to call people that lose half their savings, right? But my dad was one of those people. So I definitely relate to that. I mean, he had to work an extra 10 years because of that. And so I definitely relate to that. So thanks for sharing that story. So let's start with some examples of what tax deferred retirement accounts are. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a, the word defer sounds so wonderful until you start putting it in context with the word tax. Okay. So let's just talk about definitions. Like if you defer a bad thing, sometimes it gets worse. Like a root canal. If I defer a root canal, it's not going to be a pretty picture. Okay. (laughs) So the same is true with taxes. Now it really comes down to what you individually think about the future of taxes in this country. And for most countries, where do you think taxes are going to go over the long term? I don't care who's the president today or tomorrow. I'm talking about the next 20, 30, 50 years, however long you plan to retire. You know, where are taxes ultimately going to go? If you personally believe the tax rates are even going to be 1% higher than they are right now, okay, just 1% higher in the future than they are today, then mathematically, it makes more sense to get your taxes paid and done for so that you can have and enjoy a tax-free retirement. Either you pay tax on the seed or you pay tax on the harvest. There's really no getting around the tax man eventually. So the question is, would you rather pay your taxes on the seed or the harvest? And the, you know, most farmers would rather pay tax on the seed so that they can have a tax-free harvest. Now, tax-deferred retirement plans violate that principle. You know, if I have a 401k or a traditional IRA or a self-directed IRA or anything that's got a tax-deferred status, a Keo plan, a 457, all those, right? All the kissing cousins, then they're all going to be taxed in retirement when we'll be in a higher bracket. And some people will tell me, and oftentimes we'll have conversations over Zoom or over the phone and they'll say, well, Mark, I'm going to be in a lower bracket when I retire. And I say, okay, well, first of all, how do you know that? Uh, I don't have a crystal ball. Maybe they do. Uh, But if they're not totally sure and they're just guessing, my anecdotal experience has been the clients that are even reasonably successful in their savings and investing, they're not in a lower bracket. In fact, if you plan to be in a lower tax bracket when you retire, you're actually kind of planning for failure. Okay, so I hope I'm, this is going to sound weird to say, but I hope I'm in a high or a higher bracket when I retire. But guess what? If most of my money is in tax-free streams of income, and tax rates, let's say they double over my lifetime. Well, zero times anything is still zero. And if I have a tax-free stream of retirement income, I can enjoy that no matter what taxes do over my retirement years. So that's a little bit about tax deferral. It's a little counterintuitive to most traditional oh-so-average financial planners that tell you to max out your 401k and just hope and pray. That's not the kind of planning we try to do at our firm. Right. What is the real rate of return that investors can expect from the stock market, according to your research? This is another kind of time, like mind blowing piece of information that I stumbled across. There's a number of uh, studies that have been done, one by Fidelity, another by a group by uh, a group that's got no dog in the fight, uh, a group called Dalbar, that's D-A-L-B-A-R. And every single year they come out with a a study that explains and reveals how real investors have done 
over long periods of time in the stock market. So this would be your stocks, your equity funds, your index funds, your target date funds, all the stuff that's in most of these uh, 401ks and IRAs, Roth IRAs, Roth 401ks. Most of us who have money in the market have, have a blend of stocks and bonds. Okay, so how do we really do? Well, if you ask the any Joe on the street, how does the market perform over the long term? They might give you a number like 8%, 10%, you know, a, a famous radio host whose last name uh, rhymes with Samzy, he would say 12% a year, every single year. So if you've, if you've got the study, look it up, guys, if you want to. Google uh, Dalbar Investor Report 2020. The most recent data says that over a 30-year period, 30 years, the real investor returns was 3.8%. 3.8%. And that's the the guys and gals who are 100% in the stock market. No bonds, no cash, all stocks, 3.8%. Now, is it worth the, the market madness that we've gone through over the last 30 years, which includes a couple of great bull markets? Is it really worth 3.8%? I'm going to say no with my money. My money would rather find a more productive place to park and grow. And by the way, that 3.8% is before taxes. Bananas. That's not even keeping up with inflation, right? So anyway, that's the real expectations. When people hear that, they get angry, to be quite honest with you. At first, it's disbelief. It's like the five stages of loss. You know, First, they deny, then they get angry, then they get sad, then they have to accept it, and we have to find better and more productive places to grow our wealth. Yeah. And I think that's the problem too, is that a lot of people don't track that type of thing. So they just don't know. Right. And so I, I wish people do, it would educate themselves a little bit more and track those things. We're always talking about things need to be measurable and traceable. And this is your financial future we're talking about here. So it's even more important that you measure and track these types of things year over year over year. So you can really understand what is your real rate of return. Well, well said. Uh, you know, I, I kind of liken this to just uh, going on some errands, Okay. So keeping this real simple, the average market return from 2000 to 2019 was six and a half percent, six and a half. That's the S&P 500, just pure plain as day, start to finish six and a half percent was our average return. So how is it that we're doing so bad? The answer is volatility or beta. But the better way to say it is if I've got like a honeydew list, so to speak, in my hands as I'm leaving the office I'm not just going to go straight from my office to home, but first I have to go get the dry cleaning and then I have to cross town and go get some groceries. And then I got to cross town again and go get some, go pick up the kids and then drop off books at the library and then finally make it back home. That's going to cost more gas. That's going to cost more energy and time too. And that's the problem with markets. They don't just do straight line projections. You know, it's a up and down and sideways. And that volatility costs energy, just like that trip back home did. And that's why we might have an average return of six and a half in the markets, but our real return is half that. You know, so it's, it's a, it's a dramatic surprise when people realize that markets don't always just go in a straight line. Yep. Absolutely. So what are some financial vehicles that you can put money into without being taxed in the future? Taxes are one thing and volatility is another. You know, if I had a financial plan that I knew on the day I started it, what my outcome would be, I'd have a real plan, right? So we talk a lot through our firm about writing contracts with your future. And that that's a concept that I've been really enamored with lately 
this idea that if I could just sit down and say to my, my future self, okay, future self, we're going to have a net worth of X million and we're going to have a passive income of Y and we're going to have a legacy of Z. If we had all that planned out, what a peaceful way to live through life and to know that taxes weren't going to be, you know, beating us up in retirement, fees, market volatility, the things we cannot control, okay, would no longer be an issue to us. Strangely enough, insurance contracts are a way to write a contract with your future. And you guys know this with real estate. Real estate is really built on the contract too. Uh, In fact, without a contract, all we have is squatter's rights in the real estate world. Uh, So we have to have contracts for civilization to exist at the end of the day. But specifically, a contract in insurance gives you a predictable increase of wealth every single year. One of those contracts is whole life insurance. That's one, but there's you know maybe two dozen or so that we specialize in in our firm. Whole life insurance specifically grows on a guaranteed basis every year outside of the stock market. I know at age 65 or 62 or 42 exactly what my net worth will be. And it's not taxed under the current law of, of the income tax system. They don't tax you on both principal and even the gains can be accessed in a life insurance contract with no taxes due. So it's sort of like a, oh, it's sort of like a rich person's Roth IRA because there's you know no limit on what you can put into the thing, but it stays liquid. I was just talking with a gentleman in Michigan this morning, and we're looking at putting in several hundred thousand dollars a year into a policy that'll allow him to then use for real estate investing and for the ability to be his own line of credit, his own bank for himself. We call it bank on yourself designed whole life. So you can use this as a tool for your real estate projects or just setting up a part of your financial portfolio that isn't beat up with the markets or future tax increases. That's a little bit about how you can do it. Of course, it's not a good fit for everybody, but it's a, it's a great tool in the tool belt for sure. What happens to those funds once you pass away? Uh, they multiply. You know, The only other way I can immediately become wealthier when I die other than life insurance is to be a fine artist. And I'm definitely not that. You know, it seems like artists get wealthier when they die too. Uh, And I definitely don't have the art skills. So when you pass away, there's a, what's called a death benefit. And it's always paid to your family or charity or your business or however you've structured that. It's up to you. It's under your control. Okay, great. What are your, in your opinion, the ideal attributes of an investment portfolio? You know, there's there's about 400, 500 almost uh, financial products out there. And all of them have pluses and minuses. You know, you could talk about rental real estate, annuities, certificates of deposit at the bank. I mean, you guys help me out here. Stocks, index funds, REITs, dynastic trusts. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. The question is, what do you want your money to do for you? If we don't know that, then everything else is an exercise in salesmanship and shouldn't be followed. You know, if you're following someone else's plan for your life, you're not going to have much control over it. So, you know, we've set up a course on our membership site where you could just do this with a legal pad to really decide, hey, what do you want your money to do for you? Write it down. Like, like imagine you were Pope of money for the day. Before we get into, you know, financial products and labels, what is it that you really want your money to do for you? Do you want, do you, what do you think about taxes in the future? What do you believe about the markets? You know, don't, don't hear from me or any of us on this show. Ask yourself, what do you truly want your money doing for you? Because where you put your money makes it act differently. You know, a hedge fund is different than a savings account or a 401k. So starting with that concept in mind, you know, one of the things that I personally love, and I'd love 
Lolita, Kyle, I'd love to get your thoughts on this too. Uh, for me, I want my money to do a couple of things really well. You know, I want it to be uh, protected from markets and also from creditors or predators. If someone tried to sue one of my real estate deals, I'd want it to be protected from that mess. I'd want it to have a decent rate of return to keep up and beat inflation. I'd want it to be tax-free in the future. Other th- what, what about you guys? Uh, what would you want? If you could just wave a magic wand, you know, be Pope of money for the day, what would you want your money doing for you? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, capital preservation is a very important thing, especially as you get older, right? So I, that's number one, but you kind of hit it on the head there is is all those things is, it would be nice. I just love the fact that you're talking about money as a tool. And I think that's a, that's a mindset shift a lot of people need to take is that money really is a tool. And I, I think if you start thinking about money that way, you can grow up much better, much more efficiently and start thinking about how to, you know, gain wealth over just, you know, a salary or whatever a W-2 employee kind of does on a year-over-year basis. Yeah, well said. Well said. Awesome. All right. How can people meet their financial goals without taking those unnecessary risks then? You know, I we're all in business, I assume, and many of your listeners may be business owners as well. Risk is so important to take, right? We know, I think it's often forgotten, that we think that risk equals reward, but that is not true. Risk equals potential loss. That's what risk means, right? If I could get the reward without the risk, I would take that. You know, if I could get the six pack with the ice cream, I would take that. Okay. But the risk, the risk does, does mean potential loss. It does not mean reward. So I'm big on taking risks. I started a business. We invest in projects and real estate and more. I'm understanding that risk is so crucial to seeing the thrill of life, right? But it's unnecessary risk that I try to avoid. I'm a family man. Uh, I also don't jump out of airplanes for fun. I know a lot of folks that do. And I guess you could say that unnecessary risk with your finance, with your financial life is what I'd like to try to avoid. I'm good to jump out of an airplane if it makes you have a, a good weekend, but I'm not good on needlessly risking with no potential gain, the money you cannot afford to lose. There's a big difference between risking the money you can afford to lose and risking the money you cannot afford to lose. So allocate your money accordingly, I guess is the short way to say that. Yeah. What does it mean to go upstream financially? Now, this is something you guys help folks with all the time. To go upstream financially is to to take that next level, to always up your game, to go from the borrower to the cash buyer to the banker. That's one way to go upstream financially, to go from debtor to saver, to wealth accumulator. You know, that's how banks work. Banks are not in the business of just giving out free checking accounts. That's not why they are getting your money and wanting your business. They're taking your deposits and loaning it out to somebody else and incredible leverage and arbitrage comes as a result. Uh, I'd say that's them moving upstream financially, okay? You could go from renter to homeowner to investor to private money lender. That's a strategy to go upstream financially. Okay. So finding ways to constantly up your game. And I'd say the biggest uh, virus, uh, that might be the wrong word to use, but the biggest virus or problem in the financial world these days is getting that what we call arrival syndrome. Arrival syndrome is when you feel like you've made it and you know all there is to know, and there's no more room for growth. That's when you're stuck in the financial bog, uh, rather than moving upstream financially, you're stuck in the financial swamp of the arrival syndrome, thinking there's nothing more to learn. And I know everything and I must not not need any other advice or mentorship. That's the financial swamp. We want to move out of that and move upstream if we can all at all help it. Yep, absolutely. All right, Lolita's going to take us into our final four questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. 
How many times have you thought there has to be a better way while working through endless rent rolls and historicals? Enter Red IQ, who will process and standardize them, generate deep and accurate property insights, and bring you through the final underwriting all in just five minutes. As for underwriting, thanks to Red IQ's new Excel add-in called QuickSync, you can continue using your own model and instantaneously populate it with the data from Red IQ with just the click of a button. Request a demo today at RedIQ.com. All right, Mark, what is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? Oh, well, yeah, I guess. I mean, the the Excel spreadsheets are like my best friend when I'm trying to decide between a good deal and a bad deal, whether my own personal needs or for those of my clients, we've got some spreadsheets and software that we use to help us analyze deals and happy to share that with, with folks as we want to here. Perfect. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake within real estate investing and what is the main takeaway for our listeners? Yeah, the, I mean, we've had, thankfully, uh, we've been blessed with some really good syndications that we've been involved in and real estate investing. I can't complain with any of the projects we've been involved in. The biggest mistake was make, making the cash purchases we made on those large real estate deals early on. When we pay cash for down payments, we no longer have access to that capital and it's no longer earning for us except what is in the drywall of that real estate deal, right? So our biggest mistake is buying things with cash. And that's, again, not enough time to get into it today, but there are better ways than just paying cash, purely cash for big deals. What is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level? Oh yeah. Well, that's, that's a great way out of the swamp of the arrival syndrome, Lolita. So I love that question. Uh, I'd say if I have anything that's limited, it's time uh, as a parent. So finding that time to read, I've chosen dishes and house cleaning time for my audible <laughs> subscription to make good use of that. So that for me is really the, the launch point of growth at this stage in the game. Great. And finally, Mark, where can people find out more about you? You know, if you want to write a contract with your future, if you like concepts that include some predictability and outcomes that are determined before you even begin, go to bit.ly slash B-O-Y future. That's bank on yourself future. So bit.ly.com slash boy future. Great. Well, thanks, Mark, for the beneficial content today and spending some time with our listeners. Thank you. Thanks, Mark. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to aptcapitalgroup.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode.